Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Brad Harbison. Happy to have as my guest Matt Fry from the New York State IPM program at Cornell University. And Matt wrote the PCT feature, Pest of the Pipe, which appears in June PCT, which should be out in just a couple weeks. And in the article, Matt takes a look at the consequences of pipes having too much water or not enough water and what that means to pests. In the pollen podcast, we're going to explore that topic a little bit more, and we'll talk about inspection tips and what add-on service opportunities might be available with this line of work. So, Matt, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me, Brad. Matt, um, just to, to give our, our, our readers and our listeners a little bit of background, can you tell us about the work that you do at the New York State IPM program at Cornell University and maybe some of the ways that you work cooperatively with the pest control industry? Uh, sure. Um, the New York State IPM program is part of Cornell University, which is the land-grant university in New York. So there is um, a mission of public education and outreach with our program. Um, our group specifically helps people to manage pests in ways that reduce environmental, economic, and health risks, uh, mostly through education and some research demonstrations. Our program has uh, two major parts. One is an agricultural side um, that works with pest management in fruits, vegetables, um, livestock, field crops, and ornamental crops. And then on the other side is the group that I'm a part of, um, the Community IPM program, which helps people address pest problems in non-agricultural settings where people live, work, learn, and play. Um, and so in this um, setting, we get to work with the pest management industry, and basically our services are to offer science-based solutions to pest problems. So if there's a new and emerging pest problem, um, we try and provide the science-based solutions. And we also have the opportunity to give presentations at local and national meetings um, sponsored by you know, the New York Pest Management Association or uh, the National Pest Management Association. We have um, an identification workshop that has become pretty popular um, where we have actual specimens that pest professionals look at and identify. And um, we also develop educational resources and um, provide um, advice for challenging situations. Yeah, you guys are really a, a terrific re resource for the pest control industry, and I would encourage all of our readers to, to check out their website and, and maybe you know go to one of their events and uh, take a look at some of the great work that, uh, that you guys have been doing. And Matt, as I mentioned, you wrote the June PCT article, Pest to the Pipe. And again, it took a look at, uh, explored various issues related to p uh, pipes and how they impact pest issues. Uh, why did you decide to examine this topic? This is a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart because I have conducted a lot of inspections in commercial kitchens. And over the years, I continue to see the same pest problems uh, as a result of the same conducive conditions. Um, I talk about these issues in trainings and in presentations, but wanted to kind of summarize them in a way that would be meaningful for pest professionals. Um, and obviously PCT is a great way to um, reach the, the larger pest management audience. So based on my inspections, you know, I found that pipes aren't always the source of a pest problem, but they're a great place to start, um, whether you're a new technician or someone that's been visiting an account for a long time but haven't been able to identify where the, the pests are coming from because pipes tend to offer the three things that pests are looking for. Um, water, um, 
liquid food in some cases, and when there isn't enough water in pipes, sometimes they're providing harborage. Um, and the approach that I took in the article is to kind of um, describe the two-pronged approach that I think a lot of pest professionals already use, but uh, maybe they don't think of it this way. When you're conducting an inspection, there's first this bottom-up approach where you are looking at the environment for those conducive conditions. But then also you're doing sort of a top-down inspection where you have your monitors, you have your light traps and your glue boards, and you're finding the pests, and then interpreting that evidence to see where are the conducive conditions that provide for these pests. So the article kind of describes both of those approaches in the context of pipes and pests. Sure. And, uh, you know, in the, mar- in the article, you had mentioned seven different areas, uh, you know, different places where pest breeding water can be found. I'm not going to go through all those now. And again, I would c- encourage all of our, our listeners to, to, to read the article and, and keep that as a, as a handy resource. But maybe, uh, Matt, kind of speak in general terms. I mean, what should PMPs keep in mind when inspecting for water sources? It's a great point, Brad, because um, if there's one thing that most pests need in commercial kitchen type environments, it is water. And so thinking about the ways that liquids come into a space and the ways that they go out is an easy way to hone your inspection and save time. Um, In coffee shops, for example, one of the most common pests that I see are dark-eyed fruit flies. And the situation where I see them is that um, milk and other um, nutrients from the espresso machine are coming down the uh, drain pipe and then splattering on uh, the catch basin. And that provides a consistently moist environment for flies to breed in, and it's often in a space that's hidden and out of the way. Hmm. So even though it's it's not directly the water that's coming in, it's the outflow of of used materials, um, it's a great place to look for those pests. Um, Also, thinking about bars and um, soda, soda lines. There's always a drain from uh, the beer taps, and that can easily become infested with fruit flies and other pests. Um, water is not everywhere in an account, so it's, it's important to really focus on those areas that's known where the water is coming in and leaving the site. And Matt, I thought you made another really interesting observation in the article, and that is that you know too little water can be a problem as well. Uh, I know I went home and, and started running all my uh, faucets and everything to, to to you know make sure my, my my pipes are active. But can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, how can non-used or rarely used pipes become a pest problem? This is another great point, and I think in especially in large um, commercial buildings, whether it's a kitchen or even an office building, there's often unused pipes that are supposed to have water in them, but do not. And the way that our um, modern drains are designed, there's a trap in each uh, drain. And even if you don't recognize the name of a drain trap, you know the structure. If you look under your sink, you see this U-shaped pipe. Sometimes it converts the water into a different direction. It'll go from vertical to horizontal. Other times it's just U-shaped and continues down into the floor. And the the purpose of this shape is that it holds water and prevents gases from coming up the pipe and escaping into the living space. That was the original design. And 
as a fortunate byproduct, it also is uh, somewhat discouraging to pests. Now, cockroaches and um, rodents can easily overcome the amount of water that's in a drain trap, but it is discouraging to them to have to crawl through this water. So um, keeping water in there can prevent pests from coming up. What happens over time in a drain that isn't used is that that water will evaporate. So in situations where you're not wet washing floors, um, where there's not a constant flow of water into that drain, now you just have an exposed open pipe. And that can easily provide harborage for um, cockroaches and rodents and can also serve as a highway between other drains uh, for those pests to access different areas of the building. So when there's you know, cockroach problems on a high floor in a building in a bathroom, chances are they're uh, moving through those empty um, pipes. Hmm. Interesting. And Matt, you also explored some different solutions for eliminating sources. Can you give us an example of solutions that should be part of a regular service, as well as some opportunities to sell add-on services? Sure. Um, in, in my work as an inspector, I, I, I think that the most important part is doing that detailed inspection when you're on site. Um, to try and find the sources of water that may be contributing to a pest problem, focusing on sink dishwashers and um, you know bar areas where there's liquids being used and spilled all the time. Um, for floor drains, you know, I, I suggest that every technician be looking into floor drains with your flashlight um, to see if there is standing water in that uh, drain trap. If you need to remove the um, drain cap, a cotter pin remover is a great tool to use. Um, it's got a hook on the end and allows you to easily pull off that, that cap. Um, drains, in many cases, I've seen are clogged with dirt and debris, so um, that could easily be an upsell for you. If you're doing an inspection, you find this drain that's um, crudded over with debris, whether it's uh, from shoes or actual food debris. Um, it's a great opportunity to say, hey, you know, we, we can provide this service to you. We can clean these drains for you. Um, if the drain itself is clogged, you can also sell a service to um, use mechanical brushes to clean out that drain. Um, and then after the drain is clean, you can use microbial or enzyme-based products to sort of maintain that um, clean drain. There are smaller brushes that are available if you want to get into the detail work of cleaning drain lines from beer taps and soda lines. Um, one service that I've heard individuals um, moving towards in this idea of pest exclusion is to replace missing tile grout. We know that um, the gap between two tiles can hold water. It could be a great breeding site for some fly species. It can be a water fountain for uh, rodent pests. And so if a technician comes on site and has the materials to regrout those spaces, um, it eliminates uh, that conducive condition and can be a really um, easy upsell with a, a high return because <clears throat> the material costs are pretty low, but the, um, the expense or the charge for the labor can be pretty uh, sufficient. And then the last thing, um, in terms of moisture, could be to have um, pipe insulation on your trucks so that if you see a, a pipe in a warm environment that's sweating um, with the moisture 
from a cold pipe, you can sell the the uh, insulation to keep that from producing moisture. Yeah, those are some great examples, Matt. And uh, you did a nice job in the article too, providing some photos. And uh, again, a great reminder to to PCOs when they're out there, you know, catalog and and, and bring back some evidence of some of these issues with the camera. And again, it, it might help in your efforts to to sell some of these additional services. We talk a lot about uh, your your customer cooperation, customer partnership. Um, what are some simple instructions that PMPs can give to the client that'll help in your control efforts? Sure. I, I think um, clients are often unaware of what's happening with uh, floor drains in particular. Um, drains and sinks, you know, they're being operated all the time. If it, if it backs up because it's clogged, it's an obvious problem for them. But if a floor drain isn't being used and it's drying out or there's debris in it, it's not obvious because it's below our feet. So educating clients about floor drains, maybe popping off those lids to show them exactly what's inside there and how nasty it is. Um, if you're in a kitchen environment, they're going to see that as uh, something that could be fairly alarming for a health inspector to see. So providing the education and also letting them know that there needs to be water in that trap. So if it's dried out, add water until um, you can see it standing in the drain trap and then make sure that it's um, maintained in that fashion. Um, recommendations for pipes that are cut. Oftentimes um, there was a sink here, but now we've moved it, but we left the pipe here. Um, those should be capped because those are easily going to be um, harborage for pests if they get introduced into the environment. Um, and, you know, for, for your customers, if you're educating them about floor drains, you might as well try to sell them something. Um, they could purchase from you the microbial or enzyme-based drain cleaners, um, but you would have to educate them on how to use it. I've, I've seen situations where they purchase the products but then also use bleach in those settings, and so you're counteracting um, the two products. So just a little bit of education can go a long way. No, that's, a good, that's a good tip, Matt. Um, and Matt, maybe the last thing I, I want to talk to you about is a uh, troubling observation that you had made, and that is the you know the off-label use of pest strips. Can you talk about this, and, and what are some of the dangers of this practice? Sure. Um, this has to be one of my biggest pet peeves um, that I see in commercial kitchens, and it's not um, exclusively the to blame on the pest management industry. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, because restaurant owners have gotten the idea that they can purchase these no-pest no strips. Uh, they're available for purchase in big box stores, um, and they know that it will kill the adult stage of barflies, for example, um, the, the dark-eyed fruit fly, red-eyed fruit fly, um, drain flies. So in an attempt to reduce the number of adult flies, they will put no-pest strips right at a drain um, and maybe they'll distribute them throughout the entire kitchen because they they know that this product um, kills adult insects. The danger with this, well, first of all, this is an off-label use of the product. Um, the label for no-pest strips, which are resin-based plastics that are impregnated with a pesticide, um, the label says that these have to be used in confined spaces where people will not be present for more than four hours. And in any bar or restaurant, people, whether it's the workers or uh, customers, are going to be there for more than four hours. So this is 
a violation, a federal violation. Um, the danger and the risk in this is that now you're exposing people to pesticides throughout their workday. And I've been in kitchens where um, they've used 10 times the legal limit of this product for a confined space where people are working for more than four hours. Um, workers may go home with a headache, they may be nauseous, and they may not understand why, but it could be exposure to these pesticides. And I'd like to think that I'm exaggerating this, but about two years ago, the CDC published an article uh, describing the use and misuse of um, no pest strips and how it has affected um, people's health. And there have been several instances where uh, people were hospitalized because of the negative effects of these, these products. So they're great when they're used in the right setting, um, in a crawl space, in a shed, in a closet that's closed and locked. Um, but when it comes to restaurants, they are not the solution for uh, pest problems. The better solution would be to identify the breeding site and the source and manage that. Oftentimes with flies, they'll tell you the story. Um, if it's a drain fly, you know that there's debris in the drain. Clean the drain, you've eliminated the fly problem. Um, so, of course, we would much rather see um, that type of management approach rather than using a product inappropriately to manage just the adult stage of a pest. Yeah, that's a really good uh, good piece of advice to, to pass along, Matt, and uh, something that, again, that the PCOs can can use and to keep in mind and, and use as an opportunity to educate their client um, the, the dangers and the problems of, of using this practice. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, uh, Matt, uh, thanks again for joining us. Brad, thank you so much for the opportunity. And again, um, the article that uh, we discussed with Matt here was Pest of the Pipes, and it's going to be in the June issue of PCT, and that should be coming out soon, so I encourage everyone to, to check that out. And that's also going to be available on our website soon, which is www.pctonline.com. I want to thank everyone for joining us for today's podcast, and have a great day.